Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. All right. Welcome everyone. I'm so happy to have um, a special guest today. Um, someone I know because uh, she was a former UCSB McNair scholar. So I'm so happy that she's here today. Um, so today we're going to cover the topic of what it's like being a woman of color in the STEM field. And so I'm going to go ahead and get started by sharing her bio. So our guest today is Yanalyn Perez, uh, who is currently a first year PhD student studying wild life disease ecology at the University of Maryland College Park. Prior to grad school, she earned her bachelor's degree at UCSB, surprise, surprise, <laughs> studying <laughs> zoology and researching disease ecology. So I figured we could start with you telling us a little bit more about yourself, who you are, your background, what motivated you or inspired you to pursue research in grad school in a STEM field. So all about you, um, whatever you want to share. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, originally when I was very little, um, I grew up all my life in Los Angeles. So very concrete -y. I grew up in apartments. We didn't really have that much outdoor stuff. And even like, it's kind of crazy because in the East Coast, it's so green. So the kids here are having a good time, I guess. But I've always really loved animals and plants. And I would spend like most of my time outside when I was little and I would collect like cockroaches <laughs> and, and like ladybugs and roly polies because I thought they were really cool. Like we weren't allowed to have pets in my apartment. So, you know, I really liked animals and I really liked looking at the different plants and, you know, I'm the daughter of immigrants and my dad is from El Salvador and when I was little he would always tell me about all the different animals he'd see all the different trees he'd climb so growing up he's always tried to give me as much outdoor space as he had when he was little even though it's pretty limited in Los Angeles so you know we'd go to the beach on the weekends we'd go to the park we'd go like out on little walks to see birds and stuff and that's kind of a lot because he worked six out of seven days a week. So essentially on his day off, he would take me outside, which for most people, they would just rest and, you know, catch up on things with their families and stuff. So I'm really grateful. And I acknowledge that most of my interest came because of that, like effort he put into me, just cultivating that interest. And even when I was little too, like if he had a pay raise, he would get me like a crocodile hunter DVD or something with like animal like planet. So it was very cultivated ever since I was little. And I'm very grateful that I still had that environment to grow it, even though Los Angeles and the suburbs and the city aren't really <laughs> a naturey place in general. So Growing up, again, being the daughter of immigrants, because my mother is also an immigrant, I didn't really know that many job aspects either. So, you know, I was kind of told like a lawyer or a doctor, <laughs> pick which Same. one you want. <laughs> They're like, you're smart, just become a, a doctor and they mean medical doctor. <laughs> exactly. It's like, mm, okay, you're better at math. So let's be a doctor. Let's aim for doctor. Um, so I didn't really know there was like many different research, like many different options for jobs. And so I grew up thinking like, well, if I'm going to be a doctor, I should be an animal doctor because <laughs> 
I like animals, so why not? So all my life, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian just because I didn't really know there was options outside of that. So I went to high school in a magnet system, which I'm really grateful for too. So it was adjacent to the Los Angeles Zoo. So I was able to do like animal husbandry classes, zoology classes, environmental studies, ecology. Um, it was a two hour bus ride from my house though. <laughs> what was the specialization of that magnet school? Just out of curiosity. It's ecology and environmental sciences. Oh, that's so interesting. I went to a math science technology magnet high school. So just, oh my gosh. I, which is why I'm still very good at math science. I don't know and what queens. <laughs> No, but yeah, it, it was like a two hour bus ride. And like, everyone told me like, you're not going to like it. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to like it. <laughs> I know I'm going to like it. So in that like magnet, I kind of discovered there's more options because we had like earth days and we, we would invite speakers who had different careers in environmental science and ecology. And still I was like, oh, I guess I still want to be a vet because these are more like people involved in everything. And then I finally talked to a vet technician. <laughs> And I realized I probably would be really bad at it because I'm really emotional when it comes to like animals. <laughs> and it sounded like a lot of emotional work in accordance to being with the vet because you have to handle, you know, your patients. You have to handle if you lose an animal, you have to handle talking to the family of the lost patient or, you know, breaking bad news. And I was terrified of that. And then I kind of had an existential crisis because like, oh, if I don't want to be a vet, what am I doing? And blah, 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 blah. And I remember telling my dad this and he was like, you know, you should be a scientist. And I was like, mm, I don't know if that's an option. He's like, I, I think you would look good on a lab coat. Like you're smart. Like you he was onto something. He was onto something, <laughs> but it was funny because I never considered it at that point. And, you know, I don't know if he knows the full implications of being like, a researcher or a scientist it's just like yeah they like go out answer questions you like answering questions you're a curious girl like I see like a scientist being a good fit for you I was like oh you're crazy like I don't know and then my senior year of high school when I was trying to decide what colleges I wanted to go to I was like oh maybe I should kind of figure out like what other job paths there are because you know I don't want to be in debt for a degree that I don't know I'm gonna go into and especially being in high school and thinking that young like I was just an overthinker. And I remember talking to a teacher in high school and he was like, well, maybe like you should go into research. And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, like biology labs. He was like, well, kind of, it's like, he explained to me the basics of research. It's like, you know, you find a topic and you want to expand on it and you do a bunch of studies to try and expand on it. And you kind of create more knowledge for the collective good. I was like, well, I guess that sounds better than like a nine to five job and like an office job and stuff. So I decided then that maybe I should look more into research. But again, I never had like the guidance of like, oh, like a master's or a PhD. Like I just thought you go into college and then you come out a researcher. <laughs> hey, that's more than I knew at that time. I didn't even know about research in high school at all. I didn't find out until like the end of my sophomore year, beginning. Yeah. Year. So <laughs> I was very fortunate that in my freshman year of college, I found a research lab with stuff I was super interested in. Like I did frog research all throughout my four years of college. And I know I you remember. <laughs> I love frogs um and it was a very wonderful blessing and I don't think I would be where I'm at without that lab or without the people I met in that lab so the postdoc I work under 
during my first project, she was also a first generation student. And I remember telling her, I was like, you know, I want to get into research, but I don't really know the implications of that. Or I don't know if like I have enough money for that. Cause you know, I also hear like grad school, like PA school, like post backs, all these different things. I'm like, oh, that sounds like money. <laughs> I don't have money. <laughs> um, and she explained to me the whole system. Like she was like, you know, don't feel bad. Like I was in your position when I was in college. If you want to ask stupid questions or questions you think are stupid, ask me. If you think these questions are re like redundant or like you think that they're easy answers, still ask me. I know it's a scary field for you and I want to be the person to like guide you where to go. So because of her, <laughs> I realized that I could do a PhD and that it's funded, that I don't have to pay out of pocket essentially. And, you know, I was like, well, you need a master's. And she was like, no, you don't like just go straight into a PhD program. And typically too, if you want to get a master's, you can find funded masters. And she kind of went into like all the logistics of it. And like, this is what you would need to get into like grad school. This is, you need research experience. You need connections with your professors. You need this and that. And I felt very fortunate because I feel you typically don't get that type of guidance when you're like a woman of color in STEM, you know? That's what like, I've heard as well, yeah. You don't, like, especially in a school like UCSB, which is like super big, it's a huge research institution, very credible, very name-worthy. Um, it's just very competitive within. So it's really hard to get those resources. And typically, you know, disadvantaged groups aren't gonna get that. So I feel very extremely fortunate to have had that since my freshman year and kind of know what I needed to do to get into grad school. And then also the McNair Scholars. <laughs> so I think, yeah, being like, that's how like my interest cultivated in research. It like was throughout my whole life and kind of just cultivated and like defined itself in college, which it's great. <laughs> I was going to say it's so interesting because you actually started talking about what I was going to ask next, which is like, what was it like being a woman of color in STEM as an undergrad? You kind of started to talk about how thankfully you had good support, um, mm -hmm. but also if you could kind of expand a little bit more on that and then tell us then maybe the difference between what it was like being a woman of color in STEM at UCSB and now uh, in grad school at University of Maryland, because they're two very different places, spaces, and two yeah. very different experiences and even like your identity from undergrad to grad school being a grad student is so different so i'm just curious what you've learned because you remind us what year you're in in grad school i'm in my first year still oh my gosh <laughs> so but you're just like fresh at, at you know in your second semester oh my goodness yeah, i feel okay, like a yeah. fish out of water <laughs> yeah <laughs> frog well, out of water great question great question <laughs> yeah. As an undergrad, I struggled so badly with imposter syndrome, and I didn't even know that was a term until my second year. <laughs> so it's kind of like the thing where you don't see yourself being represented in the field. And, you know, this is just one of my biggest gripes with STEM and with life sciences, because specifically with life sciences, like ecology, biology, all those fun life-related stuff, um, the majority of you know, people in there are actually women identifying or women. So it's kind of funny to see like, oh, I still feel underrepresented in a field that's mostly dominated by women. It's and funny, I've heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's typically just because it's mostly white women who dominate the field. So it's, 
as an undergrad and you're kind of navigating out of the weeder classes into like the upper div mm -hmm. classes, there's never really been a time where I saw myself being represented fully in any of those classes. Like the only time I saw like a bunch of diversity in the STEM classes happened to be freshman year, the first semester or like quarter of chem, you know, cause everyone wants to be a doctor. Everyone is trying to get into the bio major. And then by your second quarter, the second part of it, more than half of the class drops. Oh, wow. Because wow. it's a hard class. And yeah. again, it has to do with resources as well. So if you went to a really good high school that taught you how to like prep for classes, prep for tests, like built up your study like repertoire, you're going to do good. You're going to see all these materials. You're going to know how to study. You're going to know how to like tackle it. But if you really didn't, then you're kind of at a disadvantage because you have to figure that out on yourself. And most people I knew and myself included had jobs. So I saw and knew people who would spend maybe like seven hours a day studying the material they needed. And of course they came out with an A. Other people I knew who had two jobs, who would work back to back, maybe studied an hour or two a day would barely get C's. So it's very disheartening because, you know, you're in a college setting and you would think everyone has equal opportunities to these resources. But, you know, going further and further into that biology, like course chain, I didn't really see any other or a lot of women of color, you know, saw a lot of white women, saw a lot of white men, saw, you know, a lot of Asian diversity too. But, you know, in terms of like black and, you know, Latino bodies, you really don't see much. And I think it's kind of a shame that, you know, our population isn't really getting supported throughout yeah. like STEM. It's wild that you say that because at UCSB, it's considered an HSI, Hispanic Serving Institution. And even then, even though it's an HSI, there's still not enough representation in, especially in STEM. Mm -hmm. And so you have like double marginalization or multiple forms of, because it's not only being, you know, a person of color, but also being a woman. So it's like, mm -hmm. maybe you might find, have found some black and brown men in your classes that even fewer folks yeah. were like you yeah mm -hmm. like I remember since I was a zoology major for my first one of my first upper div zoology classes it was a class of like 15 right it was super tiny which tiny for Santa Barbara standards yeah that is small well for tiny. grad school no <laughs> forgot to know but you know I kind of looked around the room and I realized I was the only Latina woman there and that shocked me. And I like, it was like a random day in the quarter where I was just like taking notes and I looked around the room and I was like, huh, <laughs> this is a little suspicious. And then you feel like you stick out. Cause I remember yeah. when I was an undergrad, I wasn't in STEM, but I wasn't a predominantly like white discipline. And I would go into my classes and I would count. I would see like, is there something? Yeah, I counted. Brown, black or brown. And from there, I kept counting in my upper I division. I always <laughs> counted. And sometimes that's, that's when I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I'm the only one. Yeah. And out. Everything I say, like, they're going to be judging me. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, like, I think part of like my reason for like not really speaking out in classes was just because I felt super shy. I was like, like I had some experiences in high school where people were like, oh, like she's Mexican. She can't do math or something like that. Like to my face. I'm not even Mexican. Um, you know, Salvadorian. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> yeah so like stuff like that kind of like scared me from talking because I don't want to like speak in a class of 15 
And again, this is like the imposter syndrome kicking in, you know, like I don't deserve to be here. I don't see myself here, which again, it's like a representation thing. So I would just be like, um, I know this is, this could be a good question, but I'm just going to wait until after class. So nobody else hears me. Cause what if it's a stupid question? And what if people are like, oh, why is she even here or something like that? And that would terrify me for some reason. So yeah, as an undergrad, it was pretty harsh on the classes. Like when you're like further into like your discipline and major, because you just wouldn't see yourself represented. And it kind of just like feeds into the imposter syndrome. And I know that's mostly like a lot of women of color face imposter syndrome, because again, these spaces weren't necessarily created or sustained for us. So we kind of end up here and we're just like, am I supposed to be here? (laughs) Should I speak on this? Should I do this and that? So, you know, it's as an undergrad, it's just disheartening at times. And then again, going back to, you know, the support system, that's what kind of got me through everything because, you know, the more people you talk to who are in like, you know, these situations where, you know, you're either in STEM or like a majority white discipline and stuff like that, you see you're not alone in your thoughts and it makes you feel a lot better (laughs) because you don't feel crazy. You know, you don't think like, oh, I'm overreacting to this or I'm doing that. It's like, no, my friend is also thinking this and my other friend is also thinking this. And, you know, that's why I really loved McNair Scholars too, (laughs) because everyone felt that too. Yes. It was super easy to talk to people and be like, do you guys feel that? Or is that just me? And you feel less alone. And in terms, you just feel more supported because then your friends would be like, oh, like, no, just talk. Like, if you have a good question, like what's stopping you? And yeah, so basically as an undergrad being in like, you know, a predominantly white and, you know, non-Black or Latino space, it felt disheartening at times, but I guess having the proper support system really did help me get through it. And, you know, it wasn't my main focus. It was extremely difficult to like stay and maintain my grades and do all these things, especially as an undergrad trying to get into grad school, you're expected to do research, you're expected to form connections with your professors. And at the same time, if you don't have support from your family, you're expected to work and you're expected to do this and that. So I was very stressed, but at the end of the day, I was really grateful for everything that came along my way, which are the people and, you know, all the opportunities. So leads us into now (laughs) you're at Maryland or you're in Maryland, you're at University of Maryland. And (laughs) now I'm curious because that first year is rough for everybody. We actually recently had an alumni panel come in and talk to our McNair scholars. Some of them were in their second year. Some of them were in your cohort. And everybody was saying like, it's, it's, I remember it was so hard my first quarter and then my first year, it was rough. And so I can only imagine how things have been for you. So I'm just curious if you can just share a little bit more what you've learned just from having survived your first semester (laughs) and now trying to kind of manage and wrap up your second one. Is it Mm -hmm. done? It's not done yet, right? Next week it's done. So oh my I'm basically gosh, you're done about right to wrap up your basically, first year. Yeah, I'm basically done with my first year. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, as an undergrad, like just I was stressed out about the spaces. I was stressed out about like speaking and I have the support system. Currently, it's even more difficult because I haven't met people from my cohort, essentially, other than Zoom calls. And I would want to assume that you know, first year of grad school is extremely hard regardless. But I think being 
virtual as your entire first year is insanely difficult for me. And typically, you know, again, when you're like entering high school or you're entering undergrad from high school, this is the time you develop like your study methods, your effective methods, you know, you start to discover, am I a morning person? Am I a night person? Where do I work best in like outside my house or this and that? It kind of blurred the lines from undergrad going into grad school, just because it's a different field all in all, like there's different expectations. So, you know, I've, I've been TA in my first two like semesters. So being in charge of handling lesson materials for students and then being in charge of figuring out where I want my research to go, reading 15 papers or more like on a weekend when I'm supposed to be resting and, you know, struggling in classes that I find extremely difficult. And it's really hard to kind of make the spaces where I have like a support system just because I haven't been really able to talk to anyone. And, you know, I'm actually really grateful for Maryland because our cohort, our biology cohort is actually super diverse. That's good. So yeah, it's a very nice difference from what I was used to in Santa Barbara. <laughs> Um, even the undergrad students are much more like it's a huge diversity like who's in like the biology and ecology classes um, but in terms of like my specific cohort there's still some diversity issues but I have been able to find other Latino women who are actually like in my same like concentration who are That's actually awesome. ecologists wow. I, have, I have someone on my committee who is actually a professor Professora. That's great. Uh, yeah. And I <laughs> talked to her so much. Like, I'm like, oh, do you, did you have issues with like this in your first year? And she's super helpful and like a source, like a nice source of, you know, resources and advice. And again, she's on my committee. So I always like bug her and stuff. Um, but You're yeah. You're not like, bugging her, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I feel like way. I ask her some dumb questions sometimes. <laughs> But she's awesome. I really appreciate having her. And my PI is also a woman. So sometimes when I'm having like issues, like, you know, feminine issues, I can talk to her and be like, hey, like, I'm feeling really sick today. And I really can't come in or, you know, I feel really overwhelmed. And like, everything that's like coming my way just feels like it's a lot. She is really sympathetic with that. And, you know, I have like the beginnings of a really good support system. I just haven't been able to fully flesh it out because I haven't been able to meet anyone in person. Or It takes a while, even if it had been in person, it takes really? a while to build community, to find people. I mean, I, I feel like I'm still trying to build community as me and it's been five years or four years. Oh so it, it takes a while. Don't worry. I'm not saying it's going to take you that long. Um, but I remember my first few years of grad school, I didn't have that support system set up. Um, and so I went out and kind of tried to find it or build it. And it wasn't until I was actually um, done with coursework that I really started to form those support oh. systems. So you can get a head start as early as possible <laughs> because you know better. So I didn't. No, <laughs> I feel it sounds like, like you at least have one, at least one cheerleader, which is that person on your committee. Yeah. Yeah. And like my advisor too, because she's very like, sometimes I'll tell her like, hey, I feel really overwhelmed. And specifically last semester, I had a family member pass away. Oh, I'm sorry. And yeah, I was very distressed and I, you know, reached out to her like, hey, I know I was supposed to do this project, but I really need a week. I want to go back to California, be with my family. 
um, I know it's, it's really inconvenient, but she like reassured me, nothing's like your personal matters are not inconvenient. Your, you know, worries, your stress are valid. Take the time you need. We will figure out what we need to do when you come back. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, I also like messaged my co like the department head and the concentration head, like, is it okay if I take some time off the semester? Everyone was super helpful. Like, yeah, take your time. Um, just make sure you get your TA stuff in order. But if that's not an issue, if your PI knows, like, go ahead, take the time. Let us know when you come back. Let us know how you're feeling. So the department itself is super supportive and had the beginnings of a nice community. Yeah. <laughs> So I would, yeah, I would say that from undergrad, I kind of knew that I needed a support group. So going into grad school is something I knew I needed. And that's why the program was really appealing to me to begin with too, because most of the grad students said they felt super supportive by the concentration head or by their advisors or by the other students in the cohort. So (laughs) that was my main focus. That's why I tell students like when they're looking to um, apply to grad school and trying to come up with a grad list a lot of times you may most people are not going to get into every program they apply to and a lot of times if you only get into a couple I only got into one PhD program but a lot of times it's like <laughs> it's a it's a fit thing like you will get in where it's a good fit and so it, it sounds like you are where you were supposed to go <laughs> yeah in and terms of support and fit yeah yeah so I only got into one program because I messed up some of my applications you did not lines. mess up it happened all all you need is one and once you get that PhD no it's gonna be like hey how many grad programs did you get I know I'm still a doctora even with this one acceptance so (laughs) no but that's the thing like I think it's crazy how like it all worked out because at the time it's like well I really like Maryland because the postdoc who I who was my mentor my freshman year actually did the same program Wow. So she was the one who's like, you know, it's a very good program. Do not go with my advisor. Please do not go with my advisor. But everything else about the program is amazing. And you could thrive if you find another advisor. And I was like, okay, stay clear from her past advisor. I hear that. Um, and then, yeah, I applied to like two other schools and I kind of messed up. And one of them was a funny mis- issue. So the professor was like, yeah, you're going to get in. You're going to do that. And here's a lesson nobody knows if you're going to get in because funding is always yeah a mysterious thing it really it, is yeah because he was so positive like the professor in Michigan who was like yeah you're gonna like be like my only student studying this system which is going to be great you have a lot of background here like I'm very excited to have you like you're gonna love it here um blah 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 and then I got a rejection letter and a follow-up email from him saying like he really vouched for me he really did everything he could but they just didn't have enough funding to bring me in and I was like oh okay well I was hoping to go to Michigan and then Maryland came through and then I talked a bit more with the postdoc and with some of the current students I was like wait this is actually a really good fit (laughs) I think everything worked out the way it was supposed to exactly you never Mm -hmm. know yeah Um, so uh it's so funny so now it sounds like you said it's like you're developing like the beginning of what may be the the support system for you that will help you keep going so I'm wondering right now fresh out of completing your or right about to complete your first year what continues to motivate you and I know we're getting close to to wrapping up so what continues to motivate you and if there's any advice that you could give others maybe there are some listeners who are current undergrads maybe they kind of see themselves in you. They're like, oh, I'm also in a STEM field. I'm also a woman Mm -hmm. of color. 
um, but I'm afraid or I feel not represented or I feel like I don't belong. Like what mm -hmm. advice would you give them or like what helps you keep going essentially? So typically when I used to mentor st students at UCSB too, I would tell them like, you know, do like, it sounds really cheesy, but do what you really want to do. You know, like if you are studying like biology because you feel like you need to study biology, you're not gonna like, you're subconsciously not setting yourself up to succeed because it's not something you want to do. So if you want to go into research, like you should know that that's something you want to do. Everything that comes with it, you know, like the failures, the extensive nights not sleeping or, you know, the feeling that you don't belong either. And like kind of overcoming that understanding yourself on a better emotional level, like research is a lot of stuff. So if you know, you're up to it, like it will happen. And I mean, the thing that inspires me and like motivates me is just my basic love for nature. You know, like I grew up all my life, you know, wanting to do stuff with nature and wanting to be with animals, wanting to be with flowers and the bees and all of that stuff. And, you know, research is an opportunity for me to do that. Like my study systems in Italy with flowers in the mountains. <laughs> oh, wow. That's <laughs> and, nice. Yeah. I know it's really nice and you know as an undergrad like I went across California getting frogs which is also a dream of mine too so you know research for me is an opportunity to go out and explore these feelings I've had ever since I was little and you know I, I was fortunate to find my interest when I was little some people might find them in their last year of college or like post-college or you know are still finding them and I think that's totally valid but you know, once you find the one thing that you really like and you can explore it, like, I think that's just what keeps motivating you. Like, there's many times this semester where I was like, am I even like fit to be here? Like, everything's getting thrown at me. You know, I don't really have that good of a support system yet. Like, you know, my classes, my PA ship, my research, my write-ups, my grants, like, I don't know if I can do anything. Like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm fit to be a grad student. And then I would remember, like, you know, these are all hurdles. You really like what you're doing. So, you know, it seems really bad at the moment and it is bad at the moment. Like do not underestimate it, but it will pass as all things pass. And exactly. Oh my gosh. I was about to say that. Yes. <laughs> it always passes and it feels like the end of the world. Like it feels like your chest is tightening up. Like you get an email from your committee and you're like, Oh, Oh God. <laughs> Um, or you I know. remember the, the anxiety <laughs> yes. inducing like ah oh, they're gonna yeah you get, gonna you get an email from stuff. your advisor and you're like oh my god oh my god not now or you know like you get students saying like oh I think you misgraded this and it's like 10 emails at a time and you're just like oh I feel really overwhelmed and I just remind myself like you know you're here to study wildlife you're here to study diseases you're here so that you can get a degree and hopefully keep doing that in the future. And that's what like keeps motivating me. And then also like being called doctora. <laughs> I want to have that. Soon enough, soon enough. <laughs> Trust me, it's going to fly by before you know it. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, I feel like my sole interest motivates me. And also like, I'm hoping to be a professor or like, you know, something along those lines, hopefully cross our fingers if the job market isn't completely. And that's the thing, you have options. You can become a professor, you can become a researcher, like yeah. within the researcher realm, there's 
So like, like it's not just yeah. at the university, it's for industry companies, nonprofits, like yeah, the whole world needs researchers right now. So I think you'll be good. Yeah. But my thing is like, I want to be in a space where I can inspire like people who were like me in undergrad, who were scared because they didn't really see themselves. They didn't see themselves in the professors. They didn't see themselves in the grad students. They didn't see themselves as researchers. And I had like a few experiences as undergrads where I was very like directly reminded of that you know like I had an experience at my job where our boss picked out a white crew member from the shift I was leading and said this is what an ecologist looks like and I remember that like struck a nerve talked to him after I was like why wasn't I chosen to be the ecologist he's like well because she like has more experience I was like I have more experience (laughs) I I have more experience. Why didn't you choose me? The kids that you are saying this to come from a Latino school. They all speak Spanish. And you chose a white woman to say, this is what an ecologist looks like. I'm like, is that a micro or a macro aggression? Yeah. Because, oh and I was goodness. just like, why didn't you choose me? You know, I speak Spanish. You know, I'm Latina. And I'm an ecologist. Like I am an ecologist at this point. Why didn't you choose me? And he was like, well, I think she was a better fit for like the example. And I remember thinking like, this is going to scar those kids because some of those kids are going to be like, I want to study animals. And they're going to think back to that trip and be like, it was a white woman, not the brown women who were on the shift. It was And we noticed because we were those kids and we saw those people. And, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like thing with representation. So another thing that motivates me is that I want to be in a position where I can be representation for students like that, you know, like. I want people to be like, oh, like I'm thinking about being a researcher and can see someone who looks like them actively doing the job and have the inspiration like, oh, well, she can do it. Like I could do it too. And that's like, again, the whole thing with like representation in the field, because you can't really see yourself succeed. You can't really see yourself in the space if you just don't see yourself. So that's my second motivation. (laughs) I love those macro aggressions. And I mean, that's the sad reality is that that's just one of many. And it's just like the one thing about as you kind of advance further, you'll learn to better navigate those and to kind of advocate for yourselves. And eventually you'll be in certain positions of power that you'll be able to advocate for yourself and for others. It's kind of nice to be able to like pave the path and lift others as you climb, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'm also very excited about grad school too, because again, like postdocs and grad students like helped me get to where I am you know and so is the professors too but mostly the grad students and postdocs had a hand in hand like teaching me research he's teaching me this and that guiding me to certain things and I want to do that for students as well especially you know underrepresented students because we don't get enough resources (laughs) and if I can provide that for a couple of students while I'm here for six years like I feel like that would really just be amazing so that's also another motivation for me to get through this coursework, get through managing very difficult things at the same time and just learning to be the best version of myself so I can provide this output and this help for people who want to go into research who don't have the resources and are looking for them. So <laughs> I'm really proud of you. <laughs> you. I'm hoping that I can pull it off. <laughs> Oh, you will. You will. You've got a strong enough, you know, reason and like the your heart is in it. I can sense mm-hmm. it. So I, I'm, I have no doubt. I firmly believe in you. 
I hope. So <laughs> the grad school doesn't wipe me out. Uh you know, you, you are already doing all of the right things. You know, you're kind of advocating for yourself. You're reaching out, you're asking for help. All the, you're developing a support system. All those things are going to help you get by. Yeah. And I guess for the last part of your question, like what advice I have for undergrads, honestly, like what I've been kind of mentioning is just a support group, you know, like you can do whatever you want to do. Like I was told many times my freshman year to switch out of my majors by professors. You're not <laughs> I the was only one. I hear that time and time again across, I, among our McNair STEM students. I was told by my advisor that I weaseled, or like the bio advisor, the bio major advisor, that I weaseled my way into a class. I was told by my chem professors to switch the majors because I got a C on the midterm. There's so many things that are gonna, you know, be obstacles and it sucks that we have to experience them the most, you know, like you're going to see your classmates succeed while you're still struggling and you're going to wonder what's wrong with you. And you're going to wonder like, what's this and that, like, why can't I do that? Or why can't I get an A? I've been trying so hard and it's super disheartening, but at the end of the day, like you can do whatever you want to do. Like if you fail a class, you fail a class. I failed five classes (laughs) as an undergrad. And I'm still in a PhD program. And look at you. (laughs) Nice. I love that. Yeah. Like, you know, failure isn't the end. You know, you fail a class, pick yourself up, keep going. You know, you find that you have like difficulties in one thing specifically, go out and look for help with that. Like, again, having the support system is like, honestly, what made the four years so much easier for me, because I can go to my friends and be like, I'm struggling with this. I don't know what to do. And they would be like, well, have you tried going to like, you know, CLAS for this class? I'm like, oh, I didn't know it offered. Yeah, <laughs> or did you try? Yeah. <laughs> or do you want to do like, have you talked to the professor? Have you reached out to the grad students? Like, you know, you're going to struggle. And that's just the thing with all STEM classes, especially when you're not resourced enough to do well in them, you're just going to struggle. And that's the reality of it everyone struggles. And I think that's also a thing I needed to hear too, because if you think you're struggling on your own, it feels heavier for some reason, you know, you feel like you're not, you're not doing well. Like or you, you personalize yourself. it. You think it's, it's, there's something it's, wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But you know, when you talk to people, when you realize how everyone is struggling, like it's just, some people have more resources than you do. And once you can acknowledge that, I feel like you will be able to succeed and like do not listen to people when they say like you're not going to be able to pass this or you're not going to do this you're not going to do that like you're the only person who can say that to yourself (laughs) you know like (laughs) and I have like experiences where my boss at work would also say like oh I didn't want to promote you because like you didn't come from a good school and I know you're probably going to struggle in OCHEM so I don't want to promote you and, you know, stuff like that, it's like, you know, I would just let that like fuel the spite in me and just do better because I'm like, oh, if you think I'm going to do bad, I'm going to do good just to spite you. And I love <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm a very spiteful person, I guess. Use but it as fuel, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's going to be difficult. Like there's no sugar coating it. Like if you're blessed to have photographic memory, God bless you. <laughs> but if you need to study relentlessly, like it's going to be really difficult, especially like being a child of immigrants, your parents aren't going to support you. Or, you know, coming from a school that wasn't that great with like developing your study sets, you're going to struggle. 
So just realizing that you're not alone in the struggle and that like other people's input doesn't really matter as much as your own input. Like that's what got me through my four years. You know, I didn't listen to the weasel comment or to, you know, my background comment or switch out of the major comments. Like I said, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to graduate. I'm like, we should have like a database or a repository or some sort of Google form where I can just send it out to all the students who are underrepresented in STEM and have them write in, like type in all the mi microaggressions because they stay with, that's the thing about people who yeah. make racist, sexist, just able, all the things, all those comments to you is that for them, they just say it in passing, don't think about it. And for you, it's, I, I still like vividly, like I, I have a bad memory. But those comments, <laughs> I remember them verbatim. Because they, they like feel me. your spite. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I remember all these comments and I remember feeling super awful about them. You know, like, again, like you said, when the people make them, they're just making them. They're not thinking twice about the effects they have. But, you know, I also had a friend of mine who was like, well, I'm not going to do good in this class, like our boss said, because, you know, mm -hmm. I'm stupid. And I remember being like, Wow. that's not true why would you say that she's like well he keeps mentioning it like I didn't go to a good high school or that like you know like my parents didn't care enough about me to do college tours or stuff so like I'm gonna assume I'm not gonna do good in this class and that's like a way of like internalizing those comments and I feel like you know you will get those comments a bit throughout your research career especially being a woman of color just wherever field you're at you're going to get these comments and they're going to be annoying and they're going to hurt and they're going to make you feel boggled down and everything, but just acknowledging your self-worth, which can take a lot of years to build up is, you know, it's literally the most effective thing you can have against those comments, which again, you get in turns from having a support system and kind of figuring out how to navigate like this little maze that is like academia, <laughs> which is awful. <laughs> But wow. yeah, I remember all of those comments and there are so many that sometimes yeah. like play in the back of my head and I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Right, and you are, you have already <laughs> and you continue to do it, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's just my advice. It's just, you know, believe in what you wanna do. And even though it sounds really cheesy, I think it does, <laughs> um, it's just, the most effective thing you know like if you let other people's comments bring you down if you let a expectation of yourself bring you down like you're letting it bring you down and you know I think if you want to there's always different and alternative paths to get where you want to be you know so <laughs> that's just my like recommendation just be sturdy like a tree and not don't let anything move you around <laughs> you have so many good quotes oh my gosh I might <laughs> I might pull out some quotes and use them in the description of this uh, podcast episode because you just shared so many really good quotes oh my goodness you're full of I'm telling you I'm so I'm much very heated about even, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why like I feel like it's always just really difficult just in general and I feel bad that like people who are gonna be like from similar backgrounds and we have to go through all these issues you know and it's it's just disheartening because you know in 10 years like this issue is still probably gonna exist because I don't see academia or like university policies changing so it's just it's a very heated topic and if I can give any sort of like advice or like anything it just makes me happy 
Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Gatlin, oh my for God, we're sharing. <laughs> yeah, for sharing, for just um, being open and honest about your experiences. I know a lot of folks are going to relate to it and are going to learn a lot. And also, kind of, I'm pretty sure they'll be inspired too. <laughs> um, if anybody, I don't even know if you have anything like like a academic Twitter or or anything public. Like, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, is there a way for them to reach? Yeah, out to you? I can leave my email like my academic email. I'm okay. supposed to make a academic website soon. Okay. I'm yeah, terrified so if you, if you um, share with me your email, um, I'll just kind of put it out there um, as y'all, mm-hmm. as the, the listeners are, if they're interested in reaching out to you, I'll have them email me gradschoolfemtouring mm-hmm. at gmail.com. And then I'll give them your email okay. that works. Yeah, you. I can send you my email. Okay. Um, hopefully if I do start up the website thing soon, I'll just send you that as well. But yeah, sounds I'm kind of terrified of doing that. <laughs> You don't have to. It's you know, it's, it's early. It's only no. My PI year. is like, you know, you should have a presence. I'm like, oh, I wanna. <laughs> you know what? I I, I actually just um, we're we're working with new grad mentors and um, offered a position to someone in EEMB on campus, oh. and they have a really cool website. So shoot me an email. I'll send you a link. As Wait, a is it Sochi? Well, Sochi too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Sochi Lam, this new person. I'm not going to say the name because I'm waiting for them to accept the offer. Okay, okay, okay. Sochi Lam, this new person, both have really cool websites. So I'll send them to you. I'll send them your way as samples. Yeah, thank yeah, you. It's kind of nice to see samples. Uh, I remind me, I have to actually update mine because it's kind of outdated <laughs> too. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was an honor. And it's really good catching up with you too. Yes, same. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time.